Hello there everyone, I'm Rob, a producer on the Black Country Talking News, and this week's edition is for the 10th of August 2022. Hello and welcome to the Black Country Talking News, brought to you by the sight loss charity Beacon Centre. We're pleased to confirm that the Talking News is now available via Alexa. Once you've enabled the Talking Newspapers skill, all you need to do is play Talking Newspapers and ask for the Black Country Talking News. Our Talking News service is also available via the free Wireless for the Blind app. It can be found on the Beacon Centre website www.beaconvision.org forward slash talking news. As a podcast via services such as Apple or Spotify or as a free CD, simply contact Beacon Centre on 01902 we hope you enjoy this week's edition. Thank you, Christine. Speaking for us this week, we have myself, Rob, Mina, Roger, Christine, Liz, Nikki, Mike, Tony, Rosemary, and of course, Flashback Roger. In this week's edition, we have some local news in the Black Country, our weekly trivia quiz, news from West Bromwich Albion and Wolves, a Did You Know section from Flashback Roger, the weather, an appeal for befriending volunteers, Information about filter glasses, an article about an award for VI innovation, a 10 day workout, information about Amazon's Alexa service and how it could help you, and rounding us off with a summer poem titled The Green Man. However, we start this week with our guest the sound question. I'm going to play a sound clip and all you have to do is simply guess what it is. So, here's this week's clip. Have a think on that, and Mina will reveal the answer later, alongside the usual quiz answers. We have now then, as always, some local news, but just by myself Rob, Ed, Liz, and first up, it's Christine. The region's green belt could be destroyed due to housing needs being wildly exaggerated, a leading campaign group has warned. The campaign to protect rural England said the Black Country Plan was in danger of sparking an unnecessary building spree. It has urged councils to use new evidence to fight against the government's out-of-date estimates, which it has said have led to far too many homes being allocated to the four boroughs. Land has been lined up for more than 76,000 homes by 2039 in the Black Country Plan, a joint local plan detailing housing and employment schemes. This includes around 7,700 on Greenbelt sites, which can only be released for development under exceptional circumstances. But according to the Campaign to Protect Rural England, new analysis of census data shows the stated housing need is far too high. It also said thousands of extra homes could be built on old industrial land and in town centres instead of on the Greenbelt. Peter King of West Midlands Campaign to Protect Rural England said, We understand that councils need to build new housing to support local people, but the evidence shows they can build those homes and keep the countryside. 
we know that they are constrained by government's politically driven and out-of-date housing estimates. But with this new evidence, the councils can show the exceptional circumstances needed for Greenbelt release simply do not exist. The charity said claims of a shortfall of 28,000 homes had been wildly exaggerated, with census records showing the number of households in the Black Country in 2021 was 9,000 down on the figure used in the plan. Union members at West Midlands Metro are balloting on to whether to take industrial action after members decisively rejected Boss's latest pay offer. Tram workers have been embroiled in pay disputes with West Midlands Metro for months as they are forced for a higher wage. Crew with more than 12 months of service are currently asking for a wage of £27,000 and rejected an offer of £25,250 by 67% in a ballot which concluded on Tuesday. Now union members are voting on whether they are prepared to take strike action with an anonymous staff member saying a very large majority are insulted by this offer. Staff are extremely unhappy with the pay offer and terms that have been given to them and find them completely unacceptable. It comes just a week after a member of tram crew was attacked on the job and held in a headlock by an aggressive passenger. The ballot will go out on August 8th and will be open for two weeks. A leaked email from West Midlands Metro to its staff said, I'm writing to confirm the results of the pay ballot and I'm disappointed to share with you that the outcome was a vote against the offer. However, it was pleasing to see that more colleagues were in favour of the proposal than in the previous ballots. I want to take this opportunity to reassure you that the proposal I shared with you is the very best offer that can be made to ensure that the increase is fair and proportionate for all Midland Metro Limited colleagues. It is also worth noting that the proposal provided all colleagues with an increase which is above the current national average and was endorsed by Unite the Union. Hundreds of motorbikes took to the streets of the Black Country on Saturday in memory of Ryan Passy on the fifth anniversary of his death. The sun blazed down on the crowds who came out to celebrate the life of the 24-year-old footballer who was stabbed to death while out with his friends at a Stourbridge nightclub in 2017. Over a hundred riders set off from the Widders on Barrack Lane in Cradley towards Stourbridge High Street where they went past the former Chicago's nightclub where Ryan was killed. They also completed five laps of the Stourbridge Ring Road to mark five years since Ryan's death. On the fourth lap, they cut into the high street, blasting their horns as loudly as they could at the site where Ryan died. Ryan's parents, Gillian Taylor and Aide Passy, both rode on the back of motorcycles in shirts dedicated to their son, laying flowers outside the Chicago's nightclub at Ryan's memorial. The convoy carried on to Quat Bike Cafe in Bridge North, before the crowds returned to the Widders for a fun day which included a DJ, a bouncer castle and live music. Donations were collected along the way to raise awareness of knife crime. It was particularly special for the community as it, was at, as it had been three years since the last ride for Ryan due to the pandemic. Ryan's mother Gillian said, Last time it was tremendous and this time it's, I think it's even better. It's a lovely turnout, it's quite overwhelming. John Hill from the Widders organised this. We've been friends with him for years. Aid used to work with him and does lots of charity events for other people as well. He just thought it would be nice, a nice gesture because we were trying to raise some money for the court costs and everything. But it's not all about that now. It's about the memory of Ryan. 
A controversial transit site for travellers has been branded a total waste of money after it emerged it is yet to be used. Wolverhampton Council opened the site on Gorsebrook Road in September 2021 in the face of mass opposition from residents. But it has remained empty ever since, despite incursions taking place at sites including East Park. The site, known as a negotiated stopping point, was budgeted at £1 million but is believed to have cost less. It has space for 13 caravans plus vehicles. It is open to travellers evicted from illegal camps who can stay for up to 14 days at a cost of £100 per week and a deposit of £250. Bosses from councils across the region insist transit sites provide long-term savings as they drastically reduce clean-up costs. Councillor Steve Evans, Wolverhampton Council's Environment Chief, said the council took the issue of unauthorised encampments very seriously. The creation of our negotiated stopping point in Gorsebrook Road gives members of those encampments a choice when they come to the city, he said. While it has not yet been used, it is an option we have to deter unauthorised encampments. Should anyone coming into the city choose not to stay at the negotiated stopping point and instead decide to set up an unauthorised encampment, then council officers will take the appropriate actions. The city's opposition Tory leader, Councillor Wendy Thompson, said, This site was not wanted by the local community and it does not seem to be wanted by the travelling community either. It cost an awful lot and looks like a total waste of money. Up now, we have on Beacon Sight Loss Advisor Mina, who's requesting people to help with the befriending service. And on top of that, we get to hear about filter glasses. Hello, my name's Mina and I work for the Beacon Befriending Programme. Would you like to volunteer for Beacon? Due to high demand of people asking for telephone befriending, Beacon are looking for new volunteers to join the befriending programme. Your role would be to contact lonely isolated people in the community, offer them a friendly listening ear, have a chat and help reduce their isolation. If you can spare as little as 30 minutes a week to befriend someone in need, please give us a call on 01902 880111. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Need help with sight loss? Or during the summer months, filter glasses might help. A range of glasses specifically for sight loss to protect your eyes from harmful UV rays and to reduce glare and bright light. They make things clearer to see and your eyes more comfortable, either worn on their own or over your prescription glasses. Wearing a sun hat, baseball cap or sun visor will help too. To try the range of cocoon filter glasses and to find the right lens and frame to make life a bit more comfortable for you, call Beacon Sight Loss Advisors for an appointment by simply calling 01902-880-111. Up now then, we have another block of local news. Another major chop shop, which may have been linked to dozens of stolen vehicles, has been uncovered in Wolverhampton. The unit on Cable Street was packed with vehicles and car parts, including several engines that may have been cut from stolen vehicles. These include... Mercedes cars stolen in July from Bristol and Wolverhampton respectively, 
a BMW M4 taken last November in a car key burglary in Cheltenham, and one taken from a BMW motorbike stolen on the 20th of June in Codsall. Officers executed a search warrant at the Central Trading Estate Unit, Cable Street in Wolverhampton, at 3.50pm on July 27th. Police had been informed of suspicious activity at the site. Concerns were raised that it was potentially handling and dismantling stolen cars. No arrests have been made yet, while officers continue to gather evidence at the unit and liaise with vehicle manufacturers to establish the identity of other seized parts. It comes after another chop shop was found at an industrial estate unit in Hickman Avenue, Wolverhampton, in July. Inside, officers found a £100,000 Range Rover SVR taken from Solly Hull the previous day, plus a red Range Rover driven away from a house in Coles Hill overnight between June 26 and 27. Wolverhampton Police Chief Inspector Will O'Connor said, This appears to be a major chop shop discovery. The unit was packed with car parts and initial examination of engines has shown several taken from stolen vehicles. Chop shops provide a key outlet for thieves to dispose of stolen vehicles quickly, so identifying and closing them down helps us make it more difficult for offenders and tackle the wider issue of car crime. The warrant was prompted by community intelligence. Information from the public is crucial in our efforts to close down chop shops. We always take information seriously and will always act where appropriate to close down chop shops and make arrests. Dedicated volunteers who have been cleaning up a historic Sedgley graveyard have been locked out by Dudley Council. The Friends of All Saints Church have been nominated for awards due to their hard work and commitment, but can no longer enter the graveyard for their own safety. The volunteers were greeted this morning with locked gates and a notice saying the All Saints Church graveyard would be closed for the foreseeable future. Lizzie Templeton from the Friends said... What I find completely unacceptable is there was no consultation, just a phone call saying this is going to happen, we are closing the graveyard. We are still awaiting proper clarification in writing as to who made this decision and why. Where is their risk assessment? She added, we have been given no timescale as to when our volunteers can get back on site. I am completely heartbroken by the decision of the council and their disregard for the work that is being done. We came runners-up last year in the Pride of Dudley Award due to the dedication and hard work of the volunteers. I am once again appalled by the lack of communication considerations and respect shown by Dudley MBC towards our committee and volunteers. More than 40 people complained about the closure on Facebook, describing the treatment of the volunteers as disgusting and awful. However, Dudley Council defended its decision to close the graveyard due to safety concerns. Councillor Shaz Salim, Cabinet Member for Highways and Public Realm, said, Following a recent inspection, a number of graves and memorials in the churchyard have been identified as unsafe. As a result, we have had to close it to the public. I want to reassure people that we hope this will only be a temporary measure. Thieves have struck at a second cemetery in Wolverhampton, stealing dozens of memorial plaques. They broke into Bilston Cemetery overnight last Wednesday night and stole more than 30 bronze plaques, each measuring 24 inches by 18 inches. The act has been described as deplorable, 
and has been condemned by local councillors. Police have moved to warn scrap metal dealers not to accept any items that are likely to be a result of this theft, or a similar incident last month when more than 50 bronze plaques were stolen from the graves at Merrydale Cemetery. Councillor Steve Evans, Wolverhampton Council's Cabinet Member for City Environment and Climate Change, said this is another absolutely deplorable act, which we again condemn in the strongest possible terms. We are working closely with police and are determined to do all we can to help track down the culprits. We are reviewing security measures at all our cemeteries and are also taking the additional precaution of closing certain sites earlier in the evening for a temporary period. I would ask anyone who has any information which may help apprehend the individuals responsible for either incident to contact police via live chat or by calling 101 as soon as possible. Chief Superintendent Richard Fisher of Wolverhampton Police added, We recognise the devastating effects crimes such as these have on grieving family members. We are making inquiries to seek to identify the culprits and ask them for our metal recycling and scrap merchants to help us by not accepting any items that are likely to be part of this theft and call us should anyone attend trying to dispose of them. We will be passing the message on during visits to our local dealers. A plan for 20 new homes in Dudley has been criticised after police bosses said the move could increase burglaries. The development lodged by Mr W Jones for land north of Old Nor Road, Hales Owen, would see 20 dwellings built on the site of a former garden centre and deer park. The developer says the land has previously been built on and therefore is up for grabs in terms of development. But Hales Owen Abbey Trusts, along with a local resident, say our precious green belt should be protected. Roy Burgess, chairman of Hales Owen Abbey Trusts, said The above proposal falls within Hales Owen Abbey Trusts area of benefit. The development of the site will have an adverse effect on a footpath which is on the boundary of a former deer park. The public's enjoyment from distant and close views from the farmland to the west and woodlands to the north will be severely impacted and spoilt by this proposal. The proposed site is totally covered in regenerating woodland and contains several mature trees. Removal of this woodland would be a severe loss to the rural setting and visual appearance of the general area. There will be also a detrimental effect to wildlife. West Midlands Police have also pointed out that the developments that back onto the Greenbelt can open up the properties to crime and disorder. An officer from the Crime Reduction Unit of West Midlands Police said, I have concerns about the layout and design of this application. Plots 11 to 20 back onto a public right-of-way, which is Greenbelt land. Research studying the distribution of burglaries in terraced housing with open rear access footpaths has shown that up to 85% of entries occurred at the back of the house. Being as this is a public right of way, this path cannot be gated to restrict access. Another issue is that as it's greenbelt land, there is no natural surveillance for the rear of those properties, so these plots will be extremely vulnerable to burglaries. Now it's time to test your knowledge, as we have the quiz questions for this edition, and they're brought to us by Mina. Hello and welcome to this week's Flashback Quiz. All the answers you need can be found later in Flashback Rogers' Did You Know feature. But for now, here are your questions. Are you ready? Question 1. What was the ancient word meaning hospital? Question 2. What year did the Royal Hospital open? Question 3. What colour uniforms do 
Chelsea pensioners wear? Question four. What was the size of the pensioners' old style of rooms? Question five. What's the Navy's version of Chelsea pensioners called? And finally, question six. How many female Chelsea pensioners are there currently? As always, I'll be back to reveal the answers later in the show. But for now, good luck. Thank you very much for those questions, Mina. Now we have another block of local news. And starting this one off, well, it's Muggins here. Dudley Council has received almost £4.5 million in government funding to improve borough roads after years of complaints from motorists about potholes. This year, the council will spend £10 million in total on highways, with improvements being made to the Stourbridge Ring Road this week. The £4.49 million for highways maintenance is from the West Midlands Combined Authority through the City Region Sustainable Transport Settlement Scheme. Council bosses are proposing to spend £2.6 million on improvements to major A and B roads through the borough. Another £1.1 million is to be spent on unclassified roads, with more than 400000 on lighting and 330000 on bridges. Councillor Steve Clark, Cabinet Member for Finance and Legal Services, said, This investment from the Government, through the West Midlands Combined Authority, is hugely welcomed. We know from residents how important it is that we maintain our roads in good condition. That is why we are pledging to make this a priority by spending £10 million this year to resurface roads and tackle potholes. Councillor Shaz Salim, Cabinet Member for Highways and Public Realm, said, This extra cash will allow us to fund even more improvements to make it easier for our residents to get around the borough. I was pleased to see the latest progress this week with work we have managed to get done on the Stourbridge Ring Road. He added, Residents of Dudley have asked for improvements and this is one of our priorities. I would like to say thank you to all our staff on the front line. Our operatives on the ground are doing an excellent job. Wolves season ticket holders have been receiving special gift boxes ahead of the new season, but some have been sent mismatched items. As a thank you, the club has sent out a presentation box this year containing a season ticket card, holder and a scarf. The scarves are supposed to match the stand in which the season ticket has been bought in. However, many have been sent the wrong one. One user on Twitter said, Fantastic touch by Wolves, but we are in the Billy Wright and they have sent a Southbank box a scarf. Ryan Lester said, We are often quick to criticise, even though it's mainly with good reason. However, when good things happen, it's important to acknowledge them. This is one of those occasions. But Barry Smith replied, It is a nice touch, but my scarf's got North Bank on and I'm in the South Bank. Worse than getting the wrong scarf though, some fans in the Sir Jack Hayward stand have been told they won't receive theirs for another four to six weeks. Carol Jones said, Had my new smart card, but no scarf. Just a letter apologising, saying it w- I would receive it in four to six weeks. The letter reads, All season ticket holders are this season having a unique gift specific for the stand they sit in. Unfortunately, we have had a slight delay with some of gifts for the Sir Jack Hayward stand. You will receive your gift separately within the next four to six weeks. Apologies for the delay with the gift and thank you again for your incredible support and commitment to the club. 
Historic buildings and open spaces in Dudley are in line for a major overhaul as a part of a £20 million plan. Buildings which have stood empty for decades in Dudley could be redeveloped in accommodation under the levelling up fund bid. The plan also includes breathing new life into the in-hedge gardens which will link the town centre with St Thomas Quarter. The blueprints were submitted to the government by Dudley Council this week. Councillor Simon Phipps, Cabinet Member for Regeneration and Enterprise said, This is a major scheme which will not only breathe new life into that important part of the town centre, but will also create vital links with the high street and create much needed accommodation. I am pleased we have been able to draw up this bid for round two of the levelling up scheme rather than waiting for a future round so that we can build on the regeneration momentum in the town. Dudley Council declined to confirm which buildings will be involved in the plans. The bid has been backed by Dudley North MP Marco Longhi, which is one of the key conditions of the scheme. This scheme was originally planned for a future round of the levelling up fund, but regeneration bosses have said they were keen to maximise the momentum from the £1 billion of developments already gathering pace in the town. It is this latest bid submitted by the council to the government, along with a £20 million college development and town centre improvements in Hales Owen, and major improvements to the road network in Lye, and improvements to pedestrian access. There is also a bid for Dudley South, which includes a major new college development and improved cycling and pedestrian links into the town. The outcome of the bids will be announced in the autumn and plans will be subject to normal planning consents being granted. Wolverhampton has been named as the place where learner drivers are least likely to pass their test. Research by Bill Plant Driving School ranked the city as the place with the worst pass rate between April 2021 and March this year. Nearby Dudley coming in sixth, whilst Birmingham appeared in the bottom ten. According to the research, Wolverhampton has an average pass rate of 37.2%, with males having a higher pass rate than females at 39.6% compared to 34.3%. Experts also found that for every 100,000 residents, there are 113 approved driving instructors and 24,097 provisional licence holders, while also reporting 376 road accidents across the city during the last year. Tom Hickson, Head of Instructor Support at Bill Plant Driving School, said, Learning to drive is not only a pivotal moment in your life, but can also be extremely nerve-wracking. Driving experiences can vary depending significantly on the roads you're travelling on, so understanding the differences can be helpful. The Learner Driver Index was designed to reveal the accident rates, congestion levels, driving test pass rates and the number of provisional licence holders in each area to better understand which UK regions are the best for learning to drive. Wolverhampton and Dudley, as we've seen with many larger urban centres such as London, typically have more learner drivers and higher levels of congestion, which fit hand in hand because of their relatively large population densities. In terms of pass rates, the spiral roundabouts in these areas are especially challenging, alongside faded road markings, and there are far more pedestrians to look out for due to the sheer volume of people and side roads. While Wolverhampton and Dudley scored low across the board, this isn't to say that learning to drive here is off the cards, though. With plenty of practice and confidence, you're bound to gain the freedom driving brings you. 
A police appeal has been launched to find 10 people after chaotic scenes erupted at a Stourbridge versus Hales Owen Town match. The game took place at Stourbridge War Memorial Athletic Ground on the evening of Thursday July 21st and saw disorder between both sets of fans, resulting in at least three people being hurt. Flares were launched between fans and onto the pitch. Drink containers were reportedly thrown and there were unconfirmed reports of someone with a knife. Due to the disorder, it was decided the fixture should be abandoned at around half-time. There were then pockets of fighting outside the ground after the game, in scenes described by police as totally unacceptable. West Midlands Police have put out images of 10 men and a spokesperson said, We want to speak to these people following disorder at the Stourbridge vs Hales Owen Town pre-season friendly match last month. We're aware of at least three people being hurt on the night and it's fortunate no one was seriously injured. Inquiries have been ongoing since the night and we'd like to now identify those pictured. No arrests have been made at this time. In a joint statement after the match, the club said, Both clubs wish to confirm in the strongest possible terms our joint dismay and utter frustration at the abandonment of last night's Brooks Clark Charity Shield second leg friendly. The safety of players, management, match and club officials, our volunteers, stewards and staff is of paramount importance to us as clubs, but the behaviour of a small minority of the juvenile section of the crowd meant this was no longer possible, despite repeated requests for calm. We would like to apologise to the genuine supporters of both clubs for the decision taken, but despite the best efforts of both clubs over recent years, there appears to be a section of people who insist on causing disruption at these fixtures, who do not attend any of the fixture played by either club. The National Soul for Tomorrow competition, sponsored by technology giant Samsung, has been won by a visually impaired student with her design for an innovative walking cane. TNF Soundings Features from across the UK Hello, I'm Nikki, and here's an article from the Ilford Recorder. A win for disabled people to feel heard. Ilford student wins £10,000 prize in technology competition. An Ilford student has won £10,000 in a competition for her groundbreaking design to help people with visual impairments. Ramnik Kaur Aluwalia came top at Samsung's Soul for Tomorrow competition with her device, My Vision which brings together AI, GPRS and LiDAR to create a new innovative walking cane. It helps with various tasks such as obstacle detection and navigation support, while allowing owners to hide their need for mobility support if they wish. This academic year has been very challenging and Samsung has given me this opportunity that has been my outlet, my positive space, said Ramnik, who has a severe visual impairment. She continued, and I'm just hoping this isn't just a win for me, it's a win for the community, it's a win for disabled people to feel heard. Developed in partnership with Digital Catapult, the competition's entrants take part in a programme of workshops from March to June and are matched with a mentor to prepare to pitch their idea to a judging panel. Ramnik was up against 450 entrants to win the cash prize. Her mentor, Anthony Pukowski, design strategist at Samsung Design Europe, said, Her passion for the project and helping the visually impaired community is an inspiration 
and I look forward to seeing what she will achieve over the next six months. As she designed the winning device, Ramnik will continue to develop my vision with the Solve for Tomorrow team over the next six months. With the device, Ramnik said she hopes to eliminate the stereotypes that come with the white cane. My vision will be a part of you to the point where it's the companion. You're going to shape it so you can put your identity towards it. The colour, the size, the design, that's all you, because you're going to have to carry it, said the 20-year-old. Ramnik's passion for technology blossomed out of her childhood love for design and drawing, and it was in year eight that she participated in her first design competition, the Great British Make-Off, with the London Science Museum. Because I won my category, I spent the day with a startup company, she said. I remember being in such awe of not only the design process, but also the chief executive, who was a woman. She continued, I was so inspired that she had such a good team around her that was so diverse. I thought, this is what I want to be doing. I want to have such an amazing team around me. From then on, I picked up engineering. After going through several challenges throughout her education, the university student said it means the world to her to advocate for the disabled community. She has previously spoken to MPs, volunteered at the Thomas Pocklington Trust, and as a consultant for STEMETS Youth Brand Accessibility. I know what's happened to me has happened, but I can't let that happen again for the next disabled person. The amount of advocacy you have to do just to try and get the bare minimum of support is a lot. It is an enormous amount of grit, will, perseverance, all that stuff coming together to get just as fair opportunities as your peers. Ramnik told this paper she has high hopes for more accessibility in large tech companies. I think accessibility is becoming less of an afterthought and more of, okay, we started this business or product, the first thing we have to provide is accessibility. Those who are sighted or don't have a disability probably use accessibility more because it makes life easier. That's the whole point, said Ramnik. The 20-year-old said she was speechless after hearing she had won first place in the competition. It felt so surreal. I had completely lost my words that day, which is why I'm happy I wrote a speech, said Ramnik. Coming off her win, Ramnik's biggest hope is that disabled individuals are seen as people. I think my dream would be just to have the point where we don't need to use the term disabled. The Solve for Tomorrow competition is in its second year in the UK and asks young people between 16 and 25 years old to submit their ideas on key themes, including sustainability, social isolation, education and diversity, and equity and inclusion. Sophie Edgerly Harris, head of corporate social responsibility at Samsung Electronics UK, said, Solve for Tomorrow was created to encourage and excite the youth of today by helping develop and nurture their ideas using the latest tech to tackle the most pressing societal issues. DNF Soundings. Now we've got our final block of local news for this edition. And starting us off, we first hear Ed. A black country butcher has reopened the famous Marsh and Baxter Butcher's Shop in Briley Hill High Street. Lee Eccles, who has been in the butcherer trade since the age of 14, and has run the meat and deli stalls on Briley Hill Market since 2019, has now taken on one of the region's most famous historic butcher shops. The prominent red brick building near the Five Ways Junction in Briley Hill High Street 
has largely been empty since Walter Smith moved out some years ago. Prior to Walter Smith, the building was home to one of the two shops in the town that carried the famous Marsh and Baxter name. Marsh and Baxter not only being famous for their shops, but also for their Wiltshire bacon, sausages, pork pies and York hams, for which they held the royal warrant and sold to Harrods. Mr Eccles said, I'm so excited to be reopening such an iconic shop on the high street, turning it back into what it was always meant to be, a traditional butcher's shop. Our aim is to sell good quality products and to give people, the people of Briley Hill and surrounding areas what we like to call VFM, value for money. And I'm so proud that we will also be doing our bit for the high street and local heritage. Councillor Adam Davies, councillor for the Briley Hill Ward said, It's fantastic to see Lee bringing the historic shop back into use. And locally, we're especially pleased to see it reopening, as what many of us think is of a, as a proper shop. Marsh and Baxter was such a big name in our town, and right across the region, so it's great to see that heritage live on in, in Lee's new shop. I really want to wish Lee, Corena, and all of the team the best of luck with their new venture. The crew of a Lancaster bomber plane that crashed during the Second World War in Wensfield have been immortalised on a new housing development. Wolverhampton Council's housing development company, WV Living, has named the streets at its development, the Marches, off Lakefield Road, Wensfield, in honour of the crew on the plane that crashed nearby, killing everyone on board. The roads on the site pay tribute to the memories of Lancaster pilot, Bernard Hall, flight engineer Ronald James O'Donnell, navigator Reginald Henry Smith, air bomber Victor Francis Dobell Mead, wireless operator Gordon Leonard Rabbits, and air gunner Vincent Reginald Woodburn and John Alfred Sills. Operating out of East Kirkby, Lincolnshire, the plane came down on the evening of May 17th, 1945, nine days after Victory in Europe Day or VE Day. Councillor Bupinda Garkel, Wolverhampton Council Cabinet Member for City Assets and Housing said, This is a fitting tribute to those heroes who defended our nation. It is an honour to be able to keep their memory alive at the marches, ensuring their service and commitment to duty will not be forgotten. Ray Fellows, founder of the Wensfield History Society, said, With the Lancaster Memorial and now the newly built roads on the marches estate being named after the crew of the Lancaster, together they give us a lasting piece of history that will never be forgotten. Members of the crewman's family, ward councillors and the Wensfield History Society attended a memorial event at the site. Barry Mead, the son of air bomber Victor Francis Dobell Mead, unveiled the street named Victor Mead Drive in honour of his late father. A black country home brewer is celebrating after his latest beer was a winner at the Great British Beer Festival. Stuart Betts of Bramble Green, Dudley, brews in a brew shed in his back garden. He entered I Hate Silica Finnings, a Dragonfly Summer, in the first homebrew competition that the Campaign for Real Ale has held. His 4.2% blonde ale won the Pale Ale category, which was one of 12 categories to reach a final, which was eventually won by Stephen Follins' Doggy in the Woods, a 16.1% strong state. 
Stewart, a 54-year-old service and repair engineer for catering equipment, said he was delighted to have won. I'm on a roll. I also just won a home brewing competition in Ipswich for my 6.4% West Coast IPA for the second year in a row, he said. Stewart is the chairman of the Dudley and South Staffordshire branch of Camera and co-coordinator of the 40-strong Midland Craft Brewers. He has won a brew day at Adnams Brewery in South Wales as a part of his prize from the Great British Beer Festival. Stuart, who is married with two sons, began brewing four years ago. He is planning to move into commercial brewing and is setting up Ickle Brew to produce keg and cask ales. He hopes to be able to have one of his beers on the taps for the Dudley Winter Ales Fair, which the branch is running in Dudley Town Hall from November 24th to 26th. Around 200 vehicles were exhibited across six stations alongside the Engine House Visitor Centre in Highley over both Saturday and Sunday in the bright sunshine. And it proved to be a hit with people, with the Heritage Railway marking its biggest pre-booked ticket day of the year for a normal running day, excluding major events. Kelly Downey, Events Coordinator for Seven Valley Railway, said it was a great day for both the railway and for visitors across the seven sites, including Bewdley, Arley, Highley and Hampton Load stations. And we didn't just have cars on display. We had motorcycles, bicycles and some vintage tractors, she said. And the cars and motorbikes and tractors were from around the 1920s to the 1980s. And we had some steamrollers as well, along the traction engines, which just looked quite majestic. Around at least eight traction engines and steamrollers along with several miniature steam engines, took pride of place outside Kidderminster Station on Station Drive, and around nine vintage cars were displayed at the site as well, while around 20 cars were displayed at the station and in the car park of the Bewdley stop. Around 19 cars were on display in the yard at Arley Station, whilst around 13 were showcased at the nearby Arley Arboretum after they offered to house the motors. Meanwhile, around 15 cars were displayed in the yard at the south end of the signal box at Highley and another 14 cars displayed at the Engine House Visitor Centre. And at the Visitor Centre, children had the opportunity to build tracks and play with plastic trains courtesy of Time Train UK with a 25 metre miniature railway available for people to ride on for a small donation from the Portable Railway Club. A mixture of up to 13 motorcycles were displayed in the yard between 10am and 5pm at Hampton Lode, whilst a mixture of cars, buses and tractors were on display in Bridge North. Up now, it's trivia time, brought to us by Flashback Roger and his Did You Know feature. Hello again everyone, I watched a recording of this year's Chelsea Flower Show last week, held each year in the grounds of the Chelsea Hospital, home of course to the Chelsea Pensioners. Now being being inquisitive as you know, otherwise known as nosy, I just had to find out a bit more about this fine institution. Now then, did you know that? The Chelsea Pensioners of the Royal Hospital Chelsea is a retirement home and nursing home for some 300 veterans of the British Army. Founded as an almshouse, which is the ancient sense of the word hospital. 
the Royal Hospital opened its doors to the Chelsea pensioners in 1692 for the relief and succour of veterans. Some of the first soldiers admitted included those injured at the Battle of Sedgemoor of 1685 and it's commemorated in Sedgemoor services on the M5 on the Somerset levels near the site of the battle. The long scarlet coat is an icon of the Royal Hospital Chelsea and is worn with pride by the Chelsea pensioners. However, many people do not realise that the pensioners wear two types of uniform, known fondly as scarlets and blues. Scarlets are worn for special occasions and the blues are for everyday wear around the grounds and within a two mile radius of the hospital. Accommodation for Chelsea pensioners used to be a private room each measuring just 9 feet by 9 feet with little more than a bed and a chair. Very spartan by today's standards but must have been pure luxury for the 17th century. All the rooms are now private suites with modern facilities. There are 300 Chelsea pensioners, all of whom are ex-British Army personnel who have been injured or retired. On site there's full medical facilities and its own care home too for those in need of extra help. Up until 1869 the Royal Navy had its own version called the Greenwich Pensioners, though since then pensioners are paid directly to those eligible and the Royal Air Force does the same. Historically, the residence of Chelsea Hospital was made up of entirely men. However, women have been eligible to become Chelsea pensioners since 2009, and currently there are just 15 lady pensioners there, although there is a campaign to encourage more women to apply. One lady commented that when you come here after living on your own, widowed or whatever you are, and you are so lonely, this place is a blessing. This place is just ideal for people who are on their own. Well, there you go then. Quite an insight to one of our great British institutions. I hope that you found it of interest this week. In road up, I'm off to have a cuppa and a Kit Kat and build up my strength to have a dig round for something for us for next time. So bye for now. Ta-ra a bit. Ta-ra. Cheers for that, Roger. Insightful as always. Up now then. We're over into the football news. Wolves threw away an early lead and felt a defeat on the opening day of the 22-23 Premier League season away at Leeds. A superb Wolves move saw Daniel Pudence find the net inside six minutes after a lightning quick start from the visitors. But Leeds piled on the pressure and equalised through Rodrigo and created enough chances to take the lead but they entered half-time drawing 1-1. Wolves were much better in the second half and controlled the game, but failed to find that clinical edge before Leeds struck again. Brendan Aronson found the net from close range to send Ellen Rose into raptures, although there was a suggestion that it was Ryan Aitnuri's own goal. The visitors looked for a way back into the game, but flattered to deceive as they tasted defeat on the opening weekend. Off the pitch, Wolves captain Connor Cody has completed a loan move to join Premier League rivals Everton. The 29-year-old, who grew up a Liverpool fan and came through the club's academy, has joined Merseyside rivals Everton on a season-long loan with an option to buy. Cody has fallen out of favour at Wolves after Bruno Large moved to a back four this summer and favoured Nathan Collins and Max Kilman over him for the opening day defeat at Leeds. 
The centre-back now departs in search of game time, with one eye on the World Cup in November, as he hopes to make Gareth Southgate's England squad. Meanwhile, Wolves have secured the £27.5 million signing of Valencia forward Goncalo Guardes on a five-year deal. The 25-year-old has become Wolves' second signing of the summer after the £20.5 million capture of Nathan Collins and adds significant depth and quality to the attacking areas. The versatile forward can play out wide and more centrally and eases the burden on Wolves' forwards with Raul Jimenez, Adama Traore and Chiquinho all sidelined with injury. Guardes is represented by George Mendes, who has close ties to Wolves, and the parties involved have moved quickly to get the deal over the line. The forwards has left out the squad for Valencia's friendly win over Atalanta on Saturday as Wolves work to finalise the deal. Albion produced one of their best displays in some time to secure a point against Championship promotion hopefuls Watford. On another day, as the Hawthorns opened up under the lights for 22-23, Steve's Bruce side could, and perhaps should, have taken three points. But they settled for the share of the spoils, as Carlin Grant's finish in the first half stoppage time cancelled out Ismail Issa's early wonder goal from inside his own half. Albion dominated the attacking statistics inside of booming Hawthorns, but will take a point after the goalkeeper David Button saved Sars' weak penalty 17 minutes from time. The wait for a first championship win goes on, but Baggy's fans were hugely encouraged by a positive display against a side packed full of ex-Premier League stars. After the game, Albion boss Steve Bruce admitted that a fresh injury setback for Darrell Dyke could force his hand in the transfer market. It was confirmed ahead of kickoff that Dyke, 22, had pulled up with a thigh injury in training on Sunday, with the manager adding that Albion are devastated after the latest blow. It's a real frustration for us all and the boy, Bruce said of the United States international setback. He's young, he's 22, desperate to go to the World Cup of his nation, and he's worked tirelessly to get it right. Yesterday, he kicked the ball and has done something to his thigh which didn't look very good. We're hoping it's not too bad, but from my experience, it's bad enough the way he pulled up. He kicked the ball, frustrating. He knew straight away. He's devastated, like all of us. We're devastated for him because he's really popular with the supporters, because of the way he plays and the way he is. Asked whether Doug's injury changed plans in the transfer window, Bruce added, Plans get changed because of what's just happened. We've got a hell of a schedule coming up too. I never like doing anything in reaction but we may have to find something because it wasn't an area I was looking at, to be honest. Are you ready to get moving? Well, let's hope so, because up now, we have the 10 Today Workout. Hello, everyone. This is 10 Today, a 10-minute set of exercises to do at home to help keep yourself active. Before we get to today's presenter, a couple of housekeeping points to note. The 10 Today project is funded by the Big Lottery and Sport England, and when you're doing the exercises, it's important that you don't push yourself too far, and by taking part, you agree to 10 Today's terms and conditions. You can read these terms and conditions at tnflink.uk forward slash 10T, and the 10T is the digit 1, the digit 0, and the letter T. And please remember that you agree to take part at your own risk. Today's exercises are brought to you by Mike, and here he is. Hello everyone, and welcome to 10 Today. This is Series 2, Session 7. 
These are short 10-minute physical activity routines which will get you moving and stretching. They're great for your health, including boosting your mood. And very importantly, they're designed to support your everyday movements, your functional fitness, your flexibility, balance and mobility, such as when you have to reach up, turn, bend down and so on. These simple routines will help you with all that. Just take them at your own pace. There are plenty of options, and if an exercise feels too much, then just take it easy and have a break. All the exercises can be done either standing up or sitting down, so just do whatever feels good for you today. When lifting your arms or knees, only go as far as it's comfortable. If you have any problems with your knees or hips, take care not to twist them during the movements. It can also help to pull in your tummy when you're bending your back and just breathe normally throughout the activities. We want you all to enjoy these activities safely. You're responsible for monitoring how you're feeling throughout the sessions. If you feel any discomfort or pain, for example, if you'd feel unwell or dizzy or experience palpitations, then please stop and seek medical advice. You agree to take part at your own risk. If you're remaining seated, it would be ideal if you can use a hard chair, preferably one without arms, such as a dining chair that you can sit upright in with a straight back and with your feet flat on the floor. If you're standing, just step your feet hip width apart, relax your shoulders and take a good strong stance. And you might want to have a sturdy chair nearby to hold on to sometimes just for balance. We hope you enjoy 10 today. So we're just going to start with a warm up. You're just going to quickly tap or pat different parts of your body. So briefly tap along each arm, one at a time, in different places. Your upper arm, your forearm and your wrist. Do the same on both arms. Then pat the top of both legs, quickly tapping up and down your legs in various places towards your knees, just for a few seconds. You should be nicely warmed up now and ready to move. Right, we're going to start with push away the water. So, in the usual starting position, with your feet hip width apart and shoulders relaxed, hold your hands out directly in front of you at shoulder height, with your hands side by side, index fingers touching. Then just tilt your hands so that your palms are facing to the right, and sweep both arms out wide and towards the right, as if you're pushing away a torrent of water that's rushing towards you. Bring your arms back to the centre and then tilt them so your palms are facing left and sweep out wide in that direction, as far as comfortable. Keep going with those arms, sweeping them out to the right again, back to the centre and then to the left, pushing that water away. A few more times now. Try to keep your arms at shoulder height and sweep a little bit further back if you can. This is great for your arms, shoulders and chest. The next exercise is forward and low. Lift up your right leg, bending the knee towards your body. At the same time, lower your opposite elbow towards your raised knee. You don't have to touch it. Then return your foot to the floor and your arm to your side. And repeat with your left leg. So raise the left leg up this time, lower your right elbow down towards your bent knee and return your foot to the floor. 
If you can touch your knee with your elbow, that's great. Otherwise, just lower it as far as you can. Then keep going, alternating your feet and elbows a few more times, keeping it nice and low. Try it and get your legs a bit higher if you can. This is great for your hip rotation, your back and your core. Now it's time for make headway. With this one, you're going to do a rowing action. So start by stepping your right foot forwards, leaning forwards and stretching both arms out in front of you with your palms down. Keep your arms a few inches apart and at shoulder height. Then make two loose fists as if you're reaching to grasp the oars and tighten the grip. Then in one flowing movement, pull your arms back. Bring your upper body back and step back. Then step forward on your left foot as you lean forwards and stretch out your arms, gripping those oars again. Then pull your arms back, bringing your upper body back as you step back as well. Now, keep going with this, alternating your feet each time. If you're sitting, you can step your feet out to the side at an angle. If that's comfortable, to make it more challenging, just continue making the same flowing movement, pulling back a bit further if you can. This exercise is good for your arms and shoulders, as well as your back and core. Well done. So now it's feel the wind. Start by stepping your right foot forwards and stretch both arms out in front of you. You can lift the heel of your back foot slightly off the floor, shifting your weight to your toes as you move forwards. Open your arms out wide, reaching up and to each side to open your chest. Step your foot back as you lower your arms back down to your sides. It's a nice flowing movement with your arms, starting from the center and then opening them up and out to the sides and back down. Now, swap feet, stepping forwards with your left foot this time and stretching both arms in front of you. Then opening your arms out wide and upwards again. Keep going for a few more times, just alternating your feet from left to right. You can try to sweep your arms a bit higher and a bit lower if you can. This is great for your arms, legs, shoulders and balance. Now we're going to reach for the stars. Push both arms straight above your head and with your palms facing forwards. At the same time, rise up onto your toes. Then lower your arms and feet back down, bend forwards and sweep both arms slowly from side to side in front of your legs. Then straighten up, arms back by your sides, and start again. So, raise both arms above your head and go up onto your toes. Lower your arms and feet, bend forwards, and swing those arms in front of your legs. First to the left, then to the right. And straighten back up again. Let's do a few more of these. Try reaching a bit higher and sweeping a bit lower if you can. This one is good for hand-eye coordination and also helps with your balance and your core. That's great, well done. Next up, it's Strike of the Serpent. This is a martial arts type movement using the arms. So start by bending your elbows and raising your fists in front of your chest as if you're about to start sparring. 
Then just punch your right arm out directly in front of you. Pull it back towards your body, then punch it out at an upwards angle this time and pull it back. Now change arms and punch out with your left fist. Pull your arm back and then punch out again at an upwards angle. Keep going, swapping those arms to punch your fist out to start with, pulling it back and then angling it up with a punch. Keep going and try putting more power into that punch if you can. That's really good. This one is great for your arms and shoulders and your hip movement too. This next one is called Defend the Flanks. So, in the usual start position with your feet hip width apart and shoulders relaxed, turn your upper body to the right, keeping your feet facing forwards and push both arms straight out in front of you with your palms facing forwards. Then pull your arms back towards your body, bending your elbows, palms still facing forwards and your hands about level with your shoulders. Now, turn your upper body to the left and push those arms straight out again. Don't put too much tension on your knees. Keep going, turning from side to side and pushing your arms straight out and drawing them back in. So turn again to the right, both arms straight out and push. Then pull them back, turn to the left, arms straight out and push. Just do a few more, turning from side to side. Try keeping your arms at shoulder height if you can. This exercise is a great one for your hip rotation, arms, shoulders and wrists. Well done. Next up, it's floor to canopy. Lean forwards and lower both arms down towards your right leg, keeping your hands a few inches apart. Just go as low as is comfortable with a gentle bend in your knees. Then slowly swing your arms up, together and out wide to the right side, sweeping them in an arc or semicircle as you straighten up with your arms above your head. It's a nice fluid movement, so only hold your arms up briefly. Then bring them back down again on that same right-hand side, making that semicircle shape again, sweeping back towards your right leg. So you're leaning forwards, lowering your arms down towards your right leg, sweeping them out wide and back up above your head, and then coming back down. Do a couple more on your right side. That's good. Now, we'll switch to the left and repeat the movement a few times on this side. Keep going. Try to reach a little bit higher and a little bit lower if you can. This is another great one for your arms, shoulders and chest. Now, time for our last exercise for today. It's jumping jacks. You might remember jumping jacks from the playground, but uh, happily our version is a little bit more sedate. Uh, just stretch both arms straight out to each side in line with your shoulders and at the same time reach your right foot forward, tapping your toe on the floor and lifting your heel slightly. Then step back and lower your arms back to your sides. Do exactly the same again, this time reaching forward with your left foot, tapping the toe and pointing your arms straight out to each side. Step back as you lower your arms. 
Just keep going for a few more times, alternating your foot from left to right, lifting those arms as you step forwards and lowering them as you step back. Try to keep your arms straight if you can. This exercise is really good for your balance and your core, as well as your legs and arms. And that's it. Uh, we're just going to finish with a quick shake to cool down. So raise both arms above your head towards the ceiling and just briefly wave your hands and arms in the air. Then lift one leg slightly from the floor if you can, shake it out in the air for a second or two, raise the other leg and shake that one out as well. Or you can just shake your upper body instead. And that's the end of today's 10 Today session. Great work, everyone. We hope you enjoyed it. Doing 10 Today just three times a week can have positive benefits for your physical health and improve your well-being too. It's short, it's fun, and you'll simply feel better. So do keep going. Up now, we're to hear what the web has in store for us. Brought to us as always by Mina. The weather for this week ahead continues with the heat wave, but we will come to an end by Tuesday with stormy conditions expected. Temperatures will be typically hovering around 27 degrees. UV levels are expected to start high and become moderate as the week progresses. The sunrise and sunset times are 5.52am for the sunrise and 8.33pm for the sunset. For Friday 12th of August and Saturday 13th of August, we have sunny, clear skies and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 30 degrees. For Sunday 14th and Monday 15th of August, we have sunny intervals and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 27 degrees. On Tuesday 16th of August, we have light rain and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 24 degrees. For Wednesday 17th of August, it's sunny intervals and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 23 degrees. And for Thursday 18th of August, we have thundery showers and a medium wind with a maximum temperature of 23 degrees. So that's your forecast for the week. As always, enjoy the weather. Up now, we hear about how Amazon's Alexa service can help people with sight loss. Going online can become a very big challenge if the site isn't anymore what it used to be. We can't assume that everyone who is partially sighted or blind can use the internet in the same way as a sighted person would. Alexa, what's the time? It's 6.29am. Usually in the mornings I like to go downstairs, have a quiet cup of tea before all the hustle and bustle starts of a normal school and work day. I've got four of the Amazon Echoes in my house. I like to be informed about news, information. I use them for simple things like reminding me of appointments, reminders I set for the children. Alexa, announce. What's the announcement? Breakfast time, come downstairs, ready for school. Announcing. So anything I can ask, Alexa usually always has the answer. Did you sleep well? Yeah. So we have five people in the house. It's me and my partner and my three children and my guide dog. 
I would say no day is the same and I usually go out of the house in the morning, travel independently to London. Alexa, what's the status of the tubes in London? Here's tube info skill. There are minor delays on Central and Victoria lines. There is a good service on all other lines. It's really important for people to have the access to all the information to do with sight loss from the comfort of their smart speaker at their home. So RNIB has partnered up with Amazon to give you all the information you might need when you are losing or you have lost your sight. Alexa, what assistive technology do blind people use? According to the Royal National Institute of Blind People, assistive technology enables someone with a disability to access information or mainstream technology independently. Since owning these Amazon Echo devices, it helped me to lead an independent life. I don't feel disabled, I feel enabled and, and empowered. And all of a sudden I feel that life is that independence I crave for. Amazon Echo, in collaboration with the RNIB. Have you done any good at the quiz this week? Well, now's the time to find out, as we have the quiz answers. Hello, and here are your answers for this week's flashback quiz. Are you ready? Question one. What was the ancient word meaning hospital? Answer. Ames House. Question two. What year did the Royal Hospital open? And the answer here is 1692. Question three. What colour uniforms do Chelsea pensioners wear? And the answer here is scarlet or blue. Question four. What was the size of pensioners' old style of rooms? And the answer here is nine foot by nine foot. Question five. What the Navy's version of Chelsea pensioner called? And the answer here is Greenwich pensioners. And finally, question six. How many female Chelsea pensioners are there currently? And the answer here is 15. How did you do? Great, I hope. But if not, there's always another chance to have a go next week. Now, did you get the answer to this week's Guess the Sound question that Rob asked at the start of the show? Here's one more chance to hear it before I tell you the answer. The sound you just heard was a recording of someone opening a ring pull on a can. Now to end this week's edition of the Black Country Talking News, we have a poem celebrating the summer that is titled The Green Man. TNF Soundings Features from across the UK Poetry now with former South Yorkshire and now Cornish resident Alan Shepherd, to whom our thanks for this rhyme about an encounter with the green man in what Alan calls his poem for Beltane, a word likely referencing the Celtic sun god Bellinus and celebrating the arrival of summer. Beltane Spring, the green of May, when all the world is new, and sunlight shafts on fragrant rafts are dancing in the dew, when bees contrive to quit their hives in search of floral bounty, and beacons blaze from bude to praise, and light up 
all the county. And curlews pip as swallows dip, come back to haunts remembered, lone magpies hop in dry disdain of human fears engendered. John Barleycorn has been reborn, though ploughed into the earth, a new lifespan as the green man, the cycle of rebirth. I climbed the lane between two hills there was no cause to think. To my left, proud Trencombe's boulders, to my right, the sheep on trink. The day burst with the joy of spring, and a tingling breeze upon. I felt a sense of timelessness, the world was at its ease. On both sides of the hedge billowed, with green of every hue. Then, in a second out of time, I saw the strangest view. A figure in the hedgerow, a man, relaxed and calm. His limbs hung loose, and on his face a smile of ageless charm. His plaited hair was leaves of green. His beard, as I could see, was fronds of twisted twigs and grass, his hands gnarled like a tree. And all was green about him. He was young, and he was old. He froze me with a timeless stare, and looked into my soul. I blinked, and he had vanished. Green leaves replaced his face, his arms now looping branches, and of his legs no trace. But in that second's second I knew what I had seen. On a Cornish lane in Beltane I had met the man in green. And I have read no time the move from death to birth. The thinnest veil divides two worlds, and magic rules the earth. And sex and sensuality are divorced from guilt and sin. And young men hand out garlands, their sweethearts' hearts to win. And mountain ash stands for the love in spring they hope to capture, a vibrant aphrodisiac, awaking nature's rapture. Life is not an exercise, we must make time for play. Dark winter, tired down the soul, reflects our life today. We need Beltane as earth needs sun. Our spirits cry for mirth, light-hearted bliss, a touch, a kiss, the pleasures of the earth. The green man showed his face to me. He slipped through time and space. He sprang up from the underworld, then vanished without trace. But in that second's second, I knew what I had seen on a Cornish lane in Beltane. I had met the man in green. TNS Soundings. So that's it for another edition of the Black Country Talking News. A reminder to our CD listeners who have received CDs in padded envelopes that you don't need to send anything back to us. If you have a sight loss tip or someone you would like to wish happy birthday to, just say hello to. Maybe even a poem or talking book you would like reviewed, then please get in touch with us at the Beacon Centre. Call 01902 880 Email bctn at beaconvision.org or write to us at the Black Country Talking News, 
Beacon, Wolverhampton Road East, Wolverhampton, WV46AZ. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening, and thank you to all our supporters, donators and volunteers who without their support we would be unable to run this free service. Please note the information and views expressed in this recording does not necessarily represent the views of Beacon or Talking News and were accurate at the time of recording. Mentions of goods and services does not imply endorsement and whilst every care is taken to supply accurate information, Beacon and Talking News do not undertake liability for any errors. So it's goodbye from all of us, stay safe, have a good week and we look forward to bringing you next week's edition of the Black Country Talking News. ta -ra.